Hey folks, welcome back to the podcast. I appreciate you coming back and listening again. Um, right off the bat, I have to give a shout out to our sponsor, Black Star Woodcrafts. Um, you've heard me talk about the beginning of the other podcast. If you haven't checked them out yet, you are not doing yourself any favors. He has a shop. His name is Scott. He's got his shop up in Michigan, and he makes some amazing things. Um, pens, clocks, bath caddies, I, rings. Uh, the wife, the wedding ring that both me and my wife have, the wedding band he did. Um, it's really cool. It's a metal ring with a wood inlay on it that's engraved and polished. It, they look so great. Right now, I'm on his Facebook page looking at a picture of a really cool personalized cutting board that he did. Um, all of his stuff is high quality. Um, he doesn't mass produce anything. Everything is made to order. He does it all himself. You can check out Blackstar Woodcrafts on Facebook. And on Instagram, you can scroll through his gallery, see the kind of products that he has, and you can contact him directly through there. If you see something that he has and you want one yourself, contact him. If you like something that he has but you'd like it slightly different, same thing. Look the man up. And if you've got an idea for something that maybe you don't see a picture for, again, contact him. Talk to him. He'll be happy to talk to you about, about what he can do, what kind of customization you would like and then kind of right from there give you how much that's probably going to cost and how long it's going to take for him to get that done. Um, also, for being a listener to this podcast, if you mentioned that you got to him through the Finn Show, you will get 10% off your order. Everything he does, made himself 100% in the USA. Good, good, good quality stuff. Can't thank him enough for being a sponsor. On to the podcast, episode 8 of the Finn Show. My guest today is Mike Link. He is somebody who I had only met very, very briefly prior, but he is originally from the Milwaukee area. He's a huge Brewers fan. Those who know me know that I'm a huge Cubs fan. So we hashed it out over text messaging, decided to sit down and kind of do a, a special baseball preview episode of the podcast as we are right on the verge of the 2020 baseball season starting. We're in spring training right now. <clears throat> so we sat down and had a great conversation about Pretty much all things baseball, a little bit of other sports in there, but mostly just, you know, talking about our love for the sport, some of the memories that we have, what makes baseball great, and then also, you know, how the Cubs look, how the Brewers look, how, you know, baseball in general looks right now. So I hope everybody enjoys it. And um, well, without further ado, here is Mike. So we're here. Uh, Mike is here. We're doing a podcast, and I don't know if we should like call this like a baseball preview, mm-hmm. baseball prepper for the baseball season. Um, as I said in the intro, Mike is a Brewers fan, so there's a fox in the hen house. But um, we're all fans, and we're just we're just here to talk baseball. Yeah. So Milwaukee being a Brewers fan, does that go back to early days? Yeah, yeah, it does. I um, so. I've been following the Brewers for 40 years. Mm-hmm. I'm a season ticket holder. I grew up in Milwaukee. Um, I started going to games probably when I was like at the age of 10. Um, I don't know what you know about Milwaukee or the layout, but uh, I would take a city bus to the VA Center, which is right by the stadium, the mm-hmm. Veterans Center, walk in, and uh, County Stadium. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, old Milwaukee County Stadium. Correct. 
<laughs> Correct. It was great. You could you could get a, a bleacher ticket, and then you could hop over where the uh, bullpen card came out when oh, the ushers oh. weren't looking and climb up into the grandstands. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of a punk kid that uh, would I, do that. I think you're dating yourself just by saying bullpen card. Like, yeah, you know? I have nobody. Nobody takes that card anymore. It makes me sad. It's like they wheel it out there. Nobody ever gets in it. It's just it's a big advertisement for a for a car. The um, Miller Park, which of course has replaced Milwaukee County Stadium, yeah. is an absolutely beautiful modern ballpark. Mm-hmm. You know, I always you always get into that you know stupid argument between Cubs fans and Brewers fans, like oh Wrigley this or oh Milwaukee you know Miller Park this. Yeah. Wrigley Field is a great historic ballpark. Miller Park is a great modern ballpark. I'm going to say this, and Cubs fans are probably going to hate me for it. It is so much easier to get in and out of Miller and move around inside Miller Park and get to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Whereas Wrigley, it's a little enough stadium that, you know, they, the hallways the, and, and everything are so small. Like they were built for back when people were little and didn't eat. And I don't know, but it's just, um, right. but it, I, I love going up there. I've even, I've even gone up to Miller Park before for games that weren't even Cubs Brewers games. You know, okay. just randomly have tickets like, oh, it's a, you know, Brewers-Dodgers game. Yeah, well, it's a baseball game. Heck sure. yeah, I'll go. Sure. And from here, especially from here in Freeport, yeah, it's easier to get to Miller Park than it is to get to Wrigley because you don't have to go through all the traffic. And you literally just shoot up and get off on the exit and bam, there you are. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful, beautiful stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel really lucky. Thanks for saying those nice things. Um, I mean... For all the reasons, yes, that you said, but I think having a roof is is what makes it appealing. That's what makes it nice about having tickets because it's two hours each way, and it doesn't matter what the weather is. I know they're going to play, right? So I can go, right? That's what's money about that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I've had plenty of those games where I'm going to Wrigley, and uh, just like you said, you know, from here it's it's a depending upon the time of day and day of the week, it can be anywhere from two hours to two hours and 45 minutes to get all the way into Wrigleyville. And when you got tickets and you're going to go in and you're looking at the forecast and it's like a 60% chance of rain, right. you're like, man. And I've been to games before where it's taken seven hours because there were three rain delays and you just sat there and sat there and you're like, okay, Correct. come on, come on. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the rain delays. I got really spoiled with the roof. Yeah, and so now that so many new stadiums are going with that. It seems like uh, it. Yeah, they figured it out. As a side note, I don't want to get off on the weeds in this. Is there a ballpark out there you haven't been to but you'll want to go? Yeah, that's it's funny you said that. So so there's a number that I haven't been to yet. Uh, when I was single, it was pretty easy to go to a new ballpark <laughs> uh, every year. Now it's getting a little tricky. That changes things. So um, this year I'm going to go to Comerica for the first time. Okay. Um, um, it's not Comerica anymore. It's uh, where the Tigers play. I forget the name of the stadium. Did they change it recently? I think they changed the name. It's okay. Not yeah. Because um, I got to go up there a couple years ago and it was still Comerica then. I think but... they might have changed the name. Maybe not. Um, anyway, I, I'm going to check out that park. Um, I, I would love to go see the Giants. Um, that's an expensive trip. You know, San Francisco's an expensive trip. Um, but that's, that's you know, they're on there. But I've seen quite a few. Um you know, we moved here from Maryland uh, a couple of years ago, and being out there, I was able to go to Camden Yards, uh, went and saw the Phillies, went and saw the Nats, um, at the Nats. Um, I had uh, 20 packs for the Pirates two years in a row. I would drive to Pittsburgh 20 games uh, both years I was out there, and I'm not a, I'm not a Pirates fan. Yeah. I'm just a baseball <laughs> fan. Right. Um, and and, and that's, that's, that's a great park, you know, but again... Uh, I think having the roof, I'm spoiled because 
like you said, you know, I'd, I'd go out to PNC Park. It was about a two-hour drive, and then there's rain delays. Mm-hmm. That's brutal, man. Yeah. Well, and even that early season, I always get, because there were a number of times I would get in my youth, I'd get so excited about opening day, I'd have to get tickets to regulate opening day. Yeah. And there were more than a couple games that I went to over the years where it would be like in the 20s. Yeah. And there was even a game I was at where it was snowing. Yeah. And I'm not making a statement. No. You feel bad for the poor players from the Dominican who are out there with the head socks on and everything. Correct. Like, what is going on? Correct. You know, I remember one of the games I was at, I think it was probably the first time at Wrigley that hot chocolate outsold beer. Because it was so freaking cold and the wind was blowing right in your face. And yes. Yeah, you don't really experience that at Miller, especially when they can shut the windows and close the roof and it, you know, it feels nice in there. Yeah, I mean, we had we had snow uh, a few opening days at uh, County Stadium, you know, and uh, I remember a, a Red Sox opening day when they were in the American League. Uh, there was snow. Mm-hmm. Um, but at Wrigley, I mean, I think there's more of a wind factor at Wrigley than oh, there yeah. was at County Stadium, mm-hmm. and and the weather can be brutal. Oh, it can. Um, you know, but I think comparing Wrigley Field to Miller Park, it's kind of, it's they're, they're totally different cities. It's apples and oranges. Yeah, it's, it's totally different yeah. cities, totally uh-huh. different population. Um, it, it's 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 nostalgic going to Wrigley Field, like mm. you said, because of the old ballpark. I mean, you take the train in, uh, it's. It's just different, and and what's nice about Miller Park, and they got that right too, is the tailgating. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, people love that. Oh, it's insane up there. It's great. Right, people don't even start coming in in like the second inning, <laughs> which is kind of even weird. though they got there five hours before the game. Correct, right? <laughs> correct. So so I'm glad they didn't put Miller Park downtown Milwaukee. Uh, there was big arguments about that. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought it would be best to put it downtown. A lot of people did, and I don't know. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. It does make the, the in and out easier of the park, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, so, big time. Yeah. It's so easy to get in. Well, anytime there's a new stadium being built, there's always got to be an argument. There's always got to be, and I realize because there's so much money on the line and mm-hmm. investors, and of course the the franchise wants to build it, trying to get as much tax money as possible. Yeah. The Cubs had that several years ago before they did the renovations where they were talking about moving, and everybody in the world knew it was a feint. Like, there's no way the Cubs oh, correct, are going to no. leave Wrigley Field. There's no way. And even the Bears went through that. I want to say in the early 2000s, they were talking about moving to Gary, Indiana, because they wanted city money to rebuild soldiers. <clears throat> the Oakland Athletics are going through that right now. They've got a beautiful rendering for an amazing ballpark they want to build. Yep. And the city's giving them all kinds of hell over it and trying to sue the ball club and over possession of the old Coliseum, which is an absolute dump, let's be honest. It is. It's a dump. <laughs> they, need is. To, they need to tear it down. Agreed. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I always feel like... Um, with ballparks, there's always those two classifications, like the historic ballpark and the modern ballpark. Like I said, I got to go to Comerica a couple of years ago, and it was the same. It was a great modern ballpark. Mm-hmm. You know, when you walk in, you know, they, they kind of built the stadium, like, slightly sunk into the ground. So when you walk in mm-hmm. at street level, you would walk down for the first, like, Terrence Reserve section, you know, rather than you right. walk in and you're instantly climbing up and up and up and up and up. Um I think the new Bush Stadium in St. Louis, I was there a couple of years ago. Yep. It was gorgeous as well. It is. Um, escalators. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you know? I don't um, I don't think I remember that commercial that was big during the Super Bowl, the whole Peloton thing. I don't think you need to get a Peloton if you go to Wrigley Field every day because you're just up and up and up and up and up and up. And it up. is. It is pretty <laughs> brutal. Um, so, I don't, I don't know. You know, uh, I don't I, – I don't – I mean, obviously, I'm going to see Miller Park as my favorite stadium. But, right. Uh, 
You know, I, I the Nats, actually, if you get a chance to go to D.C. and go to a Nats game, that is a really nice stadium. Mm-hmm. And I say that because the the concourses are so big that you are not slowed down. If you're a fast walker, you, you can, can do shoot it. through. You can do it. Uh-huh. And you're not slowed down. And there's a ton of food options if you're into food. Um, and, and, and the views, the lines are nice. I mean, they just, they did a really good job with that stadium. Mm-hmm. I haven't been there. I was at last time I was at a Nats game, I think it would have been in 2006 and they were still playing at RFK. Okay. Which was just a, that thing needed to be torn down too. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure in its heyday it was great, but I remember sure. walking in there and you're like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Um, well, switching topics, what, yeah. um, what are the Brewers outlook this year? How do you think they're yeah. looking? They're looking middle, middle, middle of the division. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I gave them maybe 82 wins. Um, I think the Cubs are going to win the division. You think so? I think they'll get 88 wins. You hear that, everybody? Yep. Okay. Well, I said it. <laughs> I said it. And I got to be realistic. I can't come out here and just be like, um, um, I think the Reds are getting a little bit too much love. You think so? I do. Yeah. I really do. I mean, on paper, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you say that about any team, right? I mean, on paper, I will say that the the Dodgers and the Yankees will each have 100 wins. Oh, the Dodgers are going to be insane this They're year. They're going to have 100 wins. I They're, mean, yeah. I mean, even you, I got, I was reading this number just earlier today when I was doing a little bit of baseball research, and some, this reporter who had done the statistics was basically saying that they have arguably two of the best players in the natu- National League, in Bats and Ballinger. And if yeah. you took those two players off their roster and didn't replace them with anybody, just left left them with blank spots in their roster, they would still, as a team, be a plus six war over the second wild card in the National League. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It is. It is. Um, but, you know, going back to the division, I think uh, it'll probably, I'm thinking it's going to go um, Cubs, Cards, Brewers, Reds, Pirates. I think the Reds are going to have a really disappointing year. You think so? Well, they definitely. And gosh, it's they're they're pushing all their chips in the middle of the table right now. They are. I mean, for being a small market team, they really they spent a lot in the offseason. I mean, God, they picked up. Well, they got Wade Miley, uh, Moustakis. They picked up Nick Castellanos, which still brings a tear to Cubs fans' eye because we were really hoping he would be a re-sign. Of course, after we had got him from Detroit last year in the near the trade deadline. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, that's – it kind of goes with the old saying, that's why they play the games. Because you can have the best team in the world on paper, but if, you know, every team I think is just an injury to or away from the wheels completely coming off something or some player not performing to what they were expected, they finally hit that statistical cliff where they drop off. and Right. I just I, – I think that the Reds pitching is um, – there, there's, there's suspect a little bit. And, um, I mean, there's no guarantee that uh, – their offense is going to be that great. I, I just, I think they're still a year, a year away. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Cubs, you know, I think a lot of people are down on the Cubs, and um, I'm not. I, I got to scratch my head at that a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I know a lot of people are, uh, I hear a lot of grumblings about Theo. I, I think he's done a good job constructing his ball club, and um, I get why they didn't sign a lot of people. They're pretty good. They're mm-hmm. pretty good where they're at. I mean, um, your infield is good. Your catcher is good. Um, I think Bryant's going to have a big year, actually. I think so, too. A big year. Yeah. I was just uh, talking to my partner. Uh, we were going over fantasy baseball strategies. And uh, 
we like Bryant. We like Bryant. So um, I think I think Cubs fans, uh, you're going to be pleasantly surprised this year. I think you Darvish has a big year. I mean, I'm bold to say that because I I mean he did have a good second half, and when I say second half, the end of the second half was yeah. good. But I think he figured out a couple things, it seems like, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it was really rough with him because he was the big money signing right. in the offseason a couple of years ago. <clears throat> and then it was he just hardly ever pitched. And they kept going, you know, and it's unfortunate we do this, but he had an injury that just never seemed to go away. And it got to the point where fans got impatient and almost thought he was full of BS. You yep. know, and eventually like, oh, no, we finally found the problem. had surgery, and mm-hmm. he came out the next tr- spring pretty strong. I think psychologically a lot weighs on him. Mm-hmm. I think when his confidence levels up, he can be extremely dominant. If he starts doubting himself or gets the jitters, that's when you start seeing him giving up a crooked inning here or there, and you're like, hmm. Mm-hmm. But Cubs fans have a problem in that we won the World Series in 2016, right. and now anything less than that is an abject failure. You know, that's just the position we're in right now. I try. And when you look at it, people would call the last couple of seasons disasters or unfulfilling. When you look at them on paper, when no. you look at exactly what they did and what stats were put up, they're a damn good ball club. Yeah. They just didn't, didn't win the last game of the season. Right. You know. Um, that's surprising to me to hear you say that because I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no. I mean, just because you win a World Series doesn't mean automatically now you, you shoot for a dynasty. Right. That's so hard to have a dynasty. Oh, you, you're God, not yeah. going to have. Nobody's going to have a Yankees dynasty. Nobody's going to have a Giants dynasty. Nobody's going to have a, a Dodge. I mean, that's just that's not going to happen. There's too much parity in the league. So. Yeah, yeah, right. It's mm-hmm. just you're never going to see that again. Never. Right. But I think it's um, expectation is everything. And when Theo yeah. came in and the way they built that ball club in 2016, when they won the World Series, every I shouldn't say every, but just about every single Cubs fan were expecting dynasty. They were expecting that every year they would either win the World Series or at least be in there. And when it was one of those, okay, well, the next year you only made it to the, you know, NL, you know, got to the NLCS and got trashed by the Dodgers. And then the next year you lost in the wild card game. And then last year didn't even make the playoffs. You know, they look at it like this oh, well, the wheels are coming off. Everything's falling apart. It's like, you know, let's just. Every once in a while, here and there, the ball didn't bounce your way, and you know, that, that's no, baseball. No, I, that is baseball. I mean, look at look at the Athletics, look at the A's. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they just can't win in the postseason. Right. They can't do it. <laughs> so that that's brutal. Right. But I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that. And, the, and <laughs> they're know? and they're making the postseason a lot, and that's having to be in the same division as the Astros. Mm-hmm. You know who? I mean, that's a whole other podcast in and of itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's yeah, going yeah, on? Yeah. Let's, let's not. I'm sick of it. That and the coronavirus. Let's stay away from the Astros <laughs> and the coronavirus. I don't want. Well, coronavirus, I will say, because I actually had this okay. on, on the list of things I wanted to bring sure, up. Sure, I now, get it. I get it. Especially in, in the way it relates to baseball. Yeah. Because baseball is telling players to, you know, stay away from signing too many autographs yep. and not be interacting with fans and high-fiving, and mm-hmm. which prima facie seems kind of silly, but when you think about it, it's like, well, how much money do you have invested in these players and in your season? And right. if one of them goes in a tiny clubhouse, one of them goes down with it, you're probably going to get a couple more go down with it. And that's kind of scary. You know, it is. I, I still think on some level we're overreacting to this whole thing. Um, a little bit. But on the flip side, if it does end up serious, serious, it could send a lot of things into a whirlwind, you know? It could. I, I don't want to see it. You know, you don't want to see baseball end because of a strike, and I, and you certainly don't want to see it end because of a, a virus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. 
Um, so I don't know what to think. I mean, we're just going to have to wait it out. I mean, personally, I'm not going to stop going to games. Right. Um, I'm not a big autograph guy. I, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to be. Um, we will see, my friend. We will see. Let's hope that it doesn't affect the game and the players. Right. You know, we don't want to see that. Well, all you have to do is go to a game and out order a Corona, right? Because that seems to be what. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, believe it or not, there's people that are actually not drinking that beer. I guess. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? Side note: I think it was like the last quarter they lost like 150 million dollars in revenue from people not ordering it because they're afraid of the coronavirus. But Correct. That's again. That's a that's that's a whole other side topic we could go into. No. Let's yeah what um what do you think um because they got the big rule change this year where yep. the the bullpen guys have to face at least three batters boy that just you know again so what you know that trickles up to or down to uh, the time of the game the amount of time they're playing the game mm-hmm. and they're trying to speed it up i think and i'm 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 for it, man. I mean, again, showing my age. I mean, I was used to guys getting a lot of complete games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, I don't like to see a lot of pitching changes. I get the strategy behind it. I do. Um, but I'm cool with a pitcher having to face three batters um, or finishing the inning. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. I, I guess there's not a whole lot to say about that. Um what do you think? Well, you're always kind of caught in that mixture that we are now with baseball between the old school baseball purists and the mm-hmm. the modern day people. And I have to admit that as much as some of it may bother me, because we're basically saying goodbye to the loogie, you know, we're not going to get the lefty one out guy anymore. Yep. Um, bullpens are going to be built dramatically different because over the course of time, because you would have those guys like that fireballer you would need to come in who's got a really great fastball for about nine pitches. You know, you'd have that guy around just to bring in to face that, you know, that that DH or that home run guy. Um, as long as his command was on. If his command's not on, then they pull him. Right, yeah. Just, right? Just I because mean. <laughs> that you're absolutely right. But on the flip side, it's kind of one of those, if we want baseball to survive on the level that it is now over the long term, okay. you got to begin to engage younger fans. And when you get to the point where you have a game that's, lasting three and a half, four hours because the last three innings have nine pitcher changes. I, I can understand how somebody who's semi-new to baseball can start getting turned off by that. Somebody who's decided, you know what, I want to give this baseball thing a try. I'm going to start watching these games. And then you realize you've spent 45 minutes sitting there watching an inning. And you're like, oh, my God. It's, it's, it's just commercial breaks and visits to the mound. and Yeah. So I get where they're coming from in terms of wanting to speed up the game. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I just, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I, I, I certainly didn't have any opinions growing up as a kid, like saying to my dad, you know, God, this, this is taking so long. Right. <laughs> I, it was what it was. Uh-huh. My opinion was given to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? My opinion. So, so, yeah. so that was the norm. Uh-huh. And, and I think it should be that way. I, I think in a whole, I mean, uh, again, maybe showing my age, I don't know, but like, you don't see a whole lot of kids playing baseball. No, you don't. Right? No. I mean, um, I did. That's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and I don't know why that is. Are we not passing it down? Uh, I mean, I, I don't I don't think I see, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, this game is, takes too long. I think the people that say that, they don't like baseball anyway. Right. Yeah. 
you're, you know. Or they're very casual right. fans to begin with. Yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. just admitted you've sat seven hours. You've taken seven hours out of a day with rain delays to watch a game. Right. Yeah. You did it. Right. You did it. <laughs> there wasn't any way it was leaving. I, I mean, you see were this doing thing it. Through. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and that's what, and I like to think there's enough of those fans out there. I, I uh, you know, I have a daughter now who's four. You know, when my, so look, when my dad took me to a game, the only time I went to the bathroom is when he went to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. We watched the games. Mm-hmm. Now there's so much stuff that's interactive in the stadiums. Yeah. You can, you don't even have to watch the game. Right. Right? Yeah. So now I got a four-year-old, and I was talking to my wife about this. I'm like, nah, she, I, I want her to watch a game. You know, we're not going to go down the little mini slide, and we're not going to the speed gun, and we're not going to, we're, we're watching the game. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it. You got to you got to push that. But um, I, I like the rule changes. I, I don't like the intentional walk change. I like seeing the pitcher throw to the catcher four straight balls. I <laughs> know <Right. laughs> I know that that takes a lot of time. That right. makes sense to cut that. Yeah. But I can remember uh, that getting flogged. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Every and once the, in a while. And then the runners advance. Yeah. Or you'd get some guy who'd go to throw the third pitch on it and get it maybe slightly too close to the zone, and the guy would reach out Correct. and knock it down the line. Correct. And, yeah, those rules. Correct. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got, and I, I guess it's just overall a change in society. You know, I remember being yeah. a kid, and every single kid had their baseball glove. Yes. You know, and Owen had baseball cards and had their favorite player. And yes. when the Major League All-Star game was on, that was a big deal. Yes. The world stopped. Everybody turned their TV on and watched the All-Star game. Yes. Um, I always remember even being, you know, that age, like 9, 10, 11, and you'd watch the game, you'd watch SportsCenter that night to catch the highlights, and in the morning you'd have to check the box score just to make sure one of them wasn't lying to you, you know? <laughs> and, um, Correct. And, yeah, I remember as a kid, that's all we did every summer. We'd go to, uh, you know, wherever the local diamond was, we'd all ride our bikes there, and there'd be a pile of bikes there, and you'd just play a pickup game for hours and hours and hours. Yep. And yep. You don't see that as much. I mean, I definitely, in this area at least, the little leagues and the softball leagues are, are very, very active. But in terms of just driving by a ballpark and seeing kids playing, you don't see that much anymore. No, no. You know? You're right. And I don't know if that's change in technology, change in media, change in the way, you know, youngsters are entertained now. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe it's all of the above combined. But, yeah, that yeah. was a – and I even remember, just like you said, I remember going to Cubs games at Wrigley – and they didn't have the jumbotron and all the you know the races and no no it was just you sat your ass down and you watched the baseball game that was it and it was fun yeah you it was know? great <laughs> it was so I don't know I guess you're sort of um, I don't know I, I I always go back and forth between being an old curmudgeon about it versus understanding that well you know evolve or die I guess in some ways you gotta do things that well if you've been to Wrigley since they built the whole um, Oh, the whole pavilion outside there. Mm-hmm. The Gallagher Way, where it's a big, open, grassy area mm-hmm. um, with bar tables all around it. There's a big, giant jumbotron there showing the game. It's actually technically outside the ballpark. I've seen uh, live footage. I have not been to the new stadium. Mm-hmm. I've been there twice, but it was before it was it was redone. It was, you know. Before it feels like they spent $5 billion <laughs> renovating it. Correct. <laughs> Not that it didn't need it. Oh, gosh. I, I'm, yeah, it did. I'm very thankful, and every single Cubs fan in the world is thankful, as any visiting fan is thankful that <sighs> Wrigley finally got rid of the piss troughs. 
Because that was just like, you felt like you were going to a county fair. You know, it, it was bizarre. I actually experienced that earlier um, in the Army out in San Antonio. Um, that was the first time. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. There was a lot of obstructed views. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I remember going to a game before they rebuilt it, and they had nets. So the rubble wouldn't fall From down. From the falling cement, yeah. And I'm like, that ain't good. <laughs> that ain't good, you know. So... They had to do it. I'm glad they did it. It's a great stadium. I love the flags. There's so many things I like about uh, what they kept. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the rooftops. And yeah, it, it's cool. But but going, you know, so I'm, I'm an old curmudgeon too. Um, I, don't, I don't want the game to be changed. I do not want, um, I want the umpires to stay. I want the home plate umpire to stay. I don't want... Um, Electronic balls and strikes. Being you called. don't want the electronic strikes, though. I think okay. the human element is part of it. I mean, don't mm -hmm. you remember arguing about? You know, you you, you bitch about it the next day. Oh yeah. <laughs> you just complain and yeah. complain that you know we got robbed. Had to be the reason so he we went got over robbed. too. Yeah. And, and and some of the umpires they do have a shitty strike zone. Oh, horrible! They're horrible! Oh god! You know, um, and I get that, but you know what? That's part of the game. Mm -hmm. That's just part of the game. Wow. No, I get it. I'm. I sit here and say that I'm an old baseball curmudgeon. On the other hand, I've been one of those people who's been a very loud proponent of the electronic strike zone for years. I'm I understand. like, I'm like, let's even the playing field, and especially when you read some of the statistics. I saw one where they had analyzed the 2018 season and figured out the major league umpires have missed over 8,000 calls, and it was just like, and sure. and the amount of missed calls like spiked dramatically after the seventh inning, like after they've been sure. crouched down for several hours watching, eventually. The human brain starts going ball strike, you know the 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 zone. And a lot of the times, I didn't have a problem with umpires if their calls were off, as long as they were off consistently. Like you know, if their strike zone was slightly to the right, but they were doing that for both teams, you'd like okay, you'd go through the first inning or two trying to figure out what the umpire strike zone was. Yep. But on the other hand, I'm kind of like I'm also of the you know let's just even the playing field on this thing and not even not even make it a an issue. But what about? Um, how, how do you feel? Because there's been some talk now about bringing the DH to the National League. Yep. And well, so so just one more, just one more quick comment about the, the electronic. Yeah, strike sure. Zone. So so I feel like if, if if an umpire strike zone is wide, and he's calling a lot of strikes that are outside of the zone, and the players are switching and swinging at balls outside of the zone, right? Mm -hmm. I think that gives the pitcher somewhat of an advantage, yeah. right? Which is okay with me. So now if we go to electronic strike zone and everything has to be thrown in the zone, pitchers aren't, I think they're trying to just increase the run output. Yeah. Is all that's about. Probably. I don't, I don't think, I think they could care less about it being fair. I, okay. I just think they're trying to create more runs, more excitement. They want the ball in the zone. They want the batters to put the bat in the ball. Mm -hmm. I, I could be wrong, but that's my thought. So, so jump into um, um, the other topic. Um, it, 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 what 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 do you want to know exactly? Uh, they're talking. There's some talk now about bringing the DH. To yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they've been talking about that for years. Yeah. Um, so you know, we're in the National League, you and I. Um, now you know the Brewers are in the American League for a while. Um, I'm going to say what everybody else says that, that that does not want the DH, and that is, you like the strategy of the game, mm -hmm. the double switches. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I like I like the the pitchers to bat now. Even and I'll admit it when 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 um, Jimmy Nelson, the Brewers pitcher, got injured, diving back to first base, mm -hmm. he threw back to first. He dove, 
injured his shoulder. His career's probably done. Yeah. I mean, he's not even on the Brewers staff anymore, and he, he was a high prospect. Mm-hmm. Even with that happening, I still don't want the DH. Right. I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, that happened. That was a big... There was a big lot of anger at Joe Madden at the end of the... Um, I think it was the end of the 2018 yeah. season when you were right down to like three weeks left in the season and Pedro Strope was batting and blew his hammy out running to first and then was done for the rest of the season. At the time, he was like our key bullpen guy. Like he was the setup and and even sometimes the closer because closing wasn't going so well for the Cubs at that point. It was not. You had problems with your closers. (laughs) That's that's putting it mildly. Um, You have. Yeah. um, I'm kind of a, you know, I'm, I'm a big, again, I'm a big believer in bringing the DH to the National League. Okay. The one caveat I would make is that the manager can make the DH whatever position they want. Doesn't necessarily have to be the pitcher. Yep. Like you've got a pitcher who's fairly decent at batting. Cool. Your left fielder is batting buck eighty. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know why not? Um, right. Yeah. I and may I and I sort of and I'm going to freely admit, even though I say I'm a proponent of it, I also have the potential to be talked into the other way too. Because I see both sides of it. On the one hand, I get, you know, you get those instances where a pitcher surprises everybody and laces one down the left field line Correct. or, or cranks one. On the other hand, about 95% of the time, they're just flailing like newborn babies. And just, you're they like, are. you know, you're like, oh, it's a dead out. It's you're a right. dead inning. You know, when you get to the point and it's like, you know, 8-9-1 is up to bat. And you're like, okay, so an okay batter is going to get up. And then the pitcher... And then your leadoff guy, who's going to now get up probably with two outs. That's just kind of, it feels like a dead inning to me. It drives me insane, especially when you're down, when you're down like three runs in the sixth or seventh inning, and you look at like that's what you have coming up the next inning. And especially if the other team's starting pitcher is dealing, you're just like, oh, man. Right? It's a tough call, but, yeah. but I think that's part of it. Uh, I mean, I'll admit, you know, when, when Brandon Woodruff hit a home run off Kershaw? Yeah. In the yeah. full season? That yeah. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. <laughs> As a fan, you like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but, but but then there's, you know, the majority of the pitchers that just can't hit. And I guess if they take that away, Finch, then pitchers no longer even practice hitting. Right. Yeah. And what does that do to my kid? Does my kid not practice if, if you know, right. not hit anymore? Mm-hmm. That's true. I don't know what like what is yeah. that? And then then what happens? Then what happens? Right, you're just a specialist. You're right. basically like a kicker in football. Right. That's all that you do. Right. And, right. Yeah. And, and and there's a lot of people in baseball. They they come in as a pitcher. Mm-hmm. Wow. They 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 end up joining a club as an infielder. Right. Yeah. Or vice versa. Oh yeah. Right. I so I think you you got. I don't want to take that away. I, I just don't want to take that away. Well, I think um, back to what you were saying earlier. I think the electronic strike zone and bring the DH to the National League both have to do with run production. Yep. Because they figured out run production, home run sells tickets, sells TV yep. revenue, sells you know because it's excitement. That's what people want to see. They do. And it's something that throws us off. That baseball. I'll go on a side note here. One of the things that sure. I love about baseball is that it's so unique from any other sport. It's the only major sport out there that does not have a clock. The defense controls the ball. Right. And um, right. you can't. It's it, it's really really hard to compare it to football or basketball no. or hockey because it moves at its own timeless pace. Yep. Um, yep. But you know the issue with that is that even though it's such a great sport and it's it's so much fun to watch, 
it's kind of like you like let's say you're uh, you're interested in football and you're like yeah I might want to check you know maybe I'll check this football thing out everybody keeps talking about and everybody goes on and on about this quarterback Tom Brady oh he's so great he's so great you're like okay I'm gonna sit down and watch a Patriots game to see Tom Brady best ever that ever played the game by the way okay go on <laughs> fifty <laughs> theoretically fifty percent of you watching that game Tom Brady's on the field his hands are touching the ball mm-hmm. now you say to yourself you know what. I kind of want to get into this baseball thing. I keep hearing about it. I want to check out this Christian Yelich. I want to check out this Javier Baez. Mm-hmm. So you turn on the TV, you see either player strike out, yeah. and then it's probably going to be an hour till that player's up to bat again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So for all the reasons that I love baseball, on the flip side, I can kind of say, you know, I can see how to the new fan that can be a little bit frustrating. Especially like, you know, I, one of the examples I use when I'm saying this is Mike Trout. Arguably the greatest player who's ever played the game. Yes, yes. I would. I would. Yes, you can you, say that. You yes. look at his statistics, and it's like, and especially for his age, like he ain't yes. even done yet. No, you know? that's what's great about. Um, and yet you hear about this Mike Trout, who's the greatest player who ever played the game, and you turn on the TV to finally catch a Mike Trout baseball game, and you see him get up to bat, and he dribbles one to the shortstop, gets thrown out, and now it's going to be another inning and a half or two until he bats again. And, and also, he's on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. So so I'm watching first pitch at 10 o'clock at night. Right, yeah. That's, Think about that. I mean, they isn't going to get any exposure. Right. I mean, imagine if he was East Coast. Oh, or, God, if he played for the it? Yankees or Red Sox, forget about it. Correct. Or the Mets. Ooh. Correct. ESPN would be shoving that down our throat 24-7. Correct. You're not lying. Best player nobody even sees. Play. Right, yeah. Um, and he's happy. He's paid. Yeah. He's, well, he's, he's making good money there. Happy. And he likes being in, in California. So He does. All the, all the power to him. Um do you outside yeah. outside of the Brewers? Do you have um, do you have any other teams that you follow? Yeah, you're really partial yeah, to. Yeah, so uh, the Tigers uh, because my wife Julie, uh, yes, big Tigers fan. Yes. And, and I'm like, you know what? I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, right now, um, I'm kind of an Oakland A's fan. Oh, really? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna high five on that then. So. Okay, cool, mm-hmm. cool. I'll tell you what's fun, and, and, and I know, again, I mentioned West Coast, and, and watching first pitch at 10 o'clock at night can be tough for a lot of people, but but watch an Oakland A's home game. The excitement of the, the, the fans. They are so into it. They are into it, oh, man, that's and that's what made me fall in love with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the A's, um, I like them all, Finch. I, I, I just, I hate the Cardinals. Um, <laughs> I, can I say that? Yeah, I, I, knock okay. yourself out. Cardinals fans, I apologize. I just, <laughs> uh, so I was um, 13 years old when the Brewers lost to the Cardinals in the World Series in 1982. Um, it was my life, man. Yeah. I was 13 years old, playing baseball every day. Mm-hmm. Didn't care about anything but baseball. Right. And I was depressed. I hated it. I was just, I was the only kid with depression on my block. I would not come out of my room. My oh, parents yeah. had to make me come out to eat dinner. Yeah. I would then go back to my room. I mean, it was just devastating to me. And it stuck. Mm-hmm. It just stuck. And I, and I hate them. I just, I, I just can't stand them. Um, but every other team, I'm, I'm okay with. I, I am. Um, but I'm getting old, and it's getting to the point where, like, I don't want to argue with people anymore. Yeah, I'm the same way. And I like talking to people that are objective, yeah. like we're doing right now. Yeah. But if people are more concerned about my team losing than their team winning, oh yeah, then I, I just don't want anything to do with it. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, I won't boo. Like, I don't go to games and boo. 
Right. I won't do it. Mm-hmm. As much as I hate what the Houston Astros did. Yeah. As much as I would like to take a slingshot with D batteries <laughs> and launch them, I, I, I won't do it. I'll just sit there and do nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I could talk about it and they're bums and jerks and, and, and all that. But anyway, I like the A's and, and I follow the A's and uh, I hate the Cardinals. And uh, I just hope the Brewers win every game and I hope they win a World Series, man. I mean, that's all I want is one. Yeah. That's all I want is one. But then it's kind of like Lay's potato chips. <laughs> you know, one is never enough. Once you get one. And I since <clears throat> since two thousand wow. since two thousand three, um, I had I started off I've, I've always been a Cubs fan, you know, yeah. from the time I was a child. But starting in two thousand three I began rooting for the Red Sox on the side. Okay. Because they kinda had a parallel postseason that year. And you know the way that the games are set up, it was like the National League would play one day and then the American League would play the next day, and so it was like mm-hmm. on nights or times when the Cubs weren't playing in the NLCS that year, which is the year that they lost to the Marlins, um, which is after the collapse in Game 6 and 7, the whole Bartman incident. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I was the same way that you were. I was just, I was so angry for so long. I just... But the they collapsed similarly in the ALCS that year, and I just found myself kind of like a kindred spirit. Like it sort of felt like the Cubs and the Red Sox were almost sure were almost sister franchises. You know, they both had the historic ballpark, the curse, yeah. the long drought, and yeah. then of course the next year in two thousand four is when um, the Red Sox won the World Series. Yeah, and so I'd always been you know kind of very very partial to Red Sox Nation. Um, okay, Julie has shown some displeasure towards that. And that's okay. We're grown-ups. But um, yes. the the funny thing is, is I, t- I talking to a lot of Red Sox fans yeah. um, during the 2016 season when everything was just going the Cubs away and like they were bulletproof and nothing could stop them. It was amazing to me how many Red Sox fans said to me, they said, you know, you go through this really, really long drought and you just want that one ring before you die. Once you get that ring, though... Mm. That you will never be able to think about anything else. And it, it was interesting the way several Red Sox fans told me, like, you will see a shift in the fandom. You will see a shift in the psychology. Mm-hmm. Because the Cubs for so long were the lovable losers. They were the, you know, the the drought that kept getting longer. It was 99 years and then 100 and then up to 108. Right, and, right. and they're like, as soon as you, and everybody's going to be full of joy and hope and optimism. Yeah. And once you get that ring, though. That's what they, like the first time you eat a fine steak. That's all you're going to want after that. The first time you taste that meat. Yeah. That's, and I kind of feel like with Cubs Nation, that's sort of where we're at right now. Everybody's just yeah. World Series or bust year in and year out. That, that, that's too bad. I, I guess, Finch, I feel like uh, I look at So I look at a lot of things. You know, the Brewers as an organization has such bad leadership for my entire life. And you can say what you want about Bud Selig. Mm. He's a hero of mine because without him, the Brewers don't come to Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. You can talk about what he did in the All Star Game. You can talk about him ignoring steroids, which which you know helped the Cubs, by the way. Because Sammy Sosa, you know, I don't want to get into all that. Oh, I could go on and on about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and and. Uh, but anyway, um, so now that the Brewers have good ownership, mm-hmm. um, and uh, a good GM, I'm happy. Right. Mm-hmm. I I I feel like we're in a position. To be good every year, mm-hmm. better every year. That's all I care about because I understand how this game goes. There's so much luck involved. Oh yeah, so much luck involved. Mm-hmm. And I just want us to be in a position for good luck. Yeah, we didn't have that with Salvando. We didn't have that with Bud Sealy. We didn't. We just didn't have it. Right. So um, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be that guy, Finch. Once we win the World Series, I'm good. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, again, go back to the Oakland A's. Right. They've had, you know, pretty good leadership, good baseball people in the organization for a while. Yeah. You know, and they just can't get over that hump. Get over that hump. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm okay to be in that. I mean, it's disappointing for sure to lose in the postseason. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. When we lost to the net, when the Brewers lost to the Nationals last year, watching the the next round for game one was brutal until about the fifth inning. Then I was like, yeah, okay, let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I debated um, for a week leading up to this, whether or not I would even bring up Trent Grisham. Um, yeah, let's talk about oh it. Oh my God. That was just, it was one of those things where I, I got to admit as a Cubs fan, you were going to have him. You were kind of like, Oh, Oh no. But every single Cubs fans remembers the Bartman incident and how that's again, goes back to what, sets baseball apart from any other any other sport. Mm-hmm. And I've often said that baseball is a collection of individual performances parading as a team sport. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're up to bat, none of your teammates are there to help you. When you're pitching, none of your team, when there's a liner or a pop fly, there, none of your teammates are there to back you up like there are right. a football or bat where you can pass it and get out of the way. And, yep. and um, yeah, he got, he got traded to the Padres. Yep. Is that right? Starting center fielder. Okay. Yep. I've, I've never quite. He'll start center field. I've never quite known how I feel about the Padres. Like They're, they're always just kind of there. I, I kind of root for them just because they never seem to do anything. That I'm kind of like, hey, it'd be cool right. to see you have a really good year one year. But They're a non-entity. I mean, if they win the World Series, I don't know if... I mean, what the hell did they have? Trevor Hoffman? Yeah, well, San Diego even noticed if they <laughs> well, won the World right, Series. Right, right. They, they had Trevor Hoffman. They, they, there's been other great players. But, so... Great question. So, okay, and, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to bring Bartman into all this talk. So everybody wants him, which is, I think it's a little ridiculous to blame Bartman. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I think there's a lot of things that happened in that series, in yeah. the game in particular, right? In that twenty minutes, a lot right. happened. So, going back to the game with Washington and Trent Christian's mm-hmm. mistake, Hater should have been pulled from that game. The Brewers lost that game right. because Hater was still pitching. Yeah. I blame Craig Council for that. Mm-hmm. Now, you will be hard-pressed to find a Brewer fan that doesn't love Craig Council. Oh, yeah. I am not that guy. Mm. Oh, really? No, I blame Craig Council for losing against the Dodgers the year before, for putting in Jeffries. Mm-hmm. And Brewers fans, if there's any listening to this, they're, they're like, yes, yes. <laughs> and and uh, not pulling Hater last year. Grisham is not the reason the Brewers lost that game. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't blame Grisham. I feel sorry for Grisham. Right. I feel terrible for him. Can you imagine how that how he felt? Oh, God, yeah. Well, the, I mean, yeah. The, I could almost cry. I almost cried for him. Yeah. I mean, oh, that poor guy. Well, the parallels of it are, are so insane because it was the same way with the Bartman game. Like, I understand that Mark Pryor had been dealing in that game. I mean, oh, he had just been lights out. Correct. And, and then you get to, after that instance, he just collapsed. I mean, physically, yeah. mentally collapsed. And I'd like to think that, and I, I think, you know, the funny thing is in that instance, I blame Moises Alou more than anything. It was his correct. reaction to it that killed the vibe. Correct. His reaction to it. That, because everybody, it made everybody so tense. Because immediately after that, a liner or a grounder got hit to the left side of the infield and went right through Grudzelonik's leg. And it shouldn't. Yeah, it was a totally Buckner it's move. Yeah. And I think that if he's relaxed and focused, that doesn't happen. He's made that play a million times in Agreed. his life. With his eyes closed. You know. I don't, I don't know if Alou could have gotten that ball or not. Maybe he could have. Maybe he couldn't have. But I think that... 
a fan's going to do what a fan's going to do. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've I never know. once been angry at Bartman for it. I've never understood. And he was the guy I felt the most sorry for because I, I think it was the Chicago Sun Times. The next day, the very next morning, that published his name, where he worked, his address. Buddy. How that newspaper didn't get sued for everything they're worth is beyond me. I thought it was so irresponsible. Oh, and I it's terrible. And I terrible. and I talked to people who are fans of other teams who say I could never support the Cubs for what they did to Bartman. And I always have to correct them. I'm like, no, the Cubs didn't do that to Bartman. Some Correct. Cubs fans did. It was mostly the Chicago media outside of the Cubs who did that. That I, I felt so bad for that guy and the fact that he had to like move to Florida with a lot. You know, had to quit his job and he did. Mm -hmm. He did. You know, but if if you watch the thirty for thirty, the ESPN thirty for thirty uh, on Steve Bartman, there there is quite a few Cubs fans that they were pretty bad. Yeah, calling really in bad. the talk shows. Really he should bad. die. We should kill his family. Yeah. I mean. Uh, that's when fandom, when tribal fandom goes toxic. Right. That's what happens when people get too wrapped up and lose their sense of reality and what it is like. At the end of the day, it's a baseball game. Right. At the end of the day, it's people coming together and having fun. And it, the funny thing about it is, is I guarantee you that if you were to go on a time machine and go back to 30 seconds before that happened, and you were to trade out a million different fans in that seat, I bet nine times out of ten that fan reaches for it. Agreed. You know? And it happens today still. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Still. Every <clears throat> game. Every game there's players that interfere with the ball yeah. uh, on the line. And so, yeah, what they did to him was wrong. Um, I So going back to Grisham and Finch, I, I try not to put so much blame on somebody. Mm-hmm. And people make mistakes, man. Yeah. I make them every day. Yeah. I don't want to take out my angst right. <laughs> on some poor guy or some poor woman. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. That's just not, it's not right. Yeah. I, it's just not right. Well, you get, um, I think you see this happen frequently in sports, not just baseball. And I've always said when it comes to sports, there's something that I think is good for you to be emotionally invested in something you can't control. I think there's something good to that. Yes. But that's also then what happens when it goes too far, when people take what happens on the field personally and feel like they need to project something onto somebody. And, you know, when you hear the guys in the bar or on talk radio screaming, so-and-so should have done this and they should have. And I understand being upset. I, understand, I even understand criticism. I get that 100%. But when right. it becomes personal... That's when I kind of start to back off and be like, you know, we need to pump the brakes here, guys. You're you're starting to lose perspective on what we're, what's going on here. We do, you know. So we do. Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm glad you said that. I uh, so a lot of the news I get is through Twitter. Um, I tweet little, very little. But when I go on Twitter, what you're talking about? Oh, go on Twitter. It's ridiculous. It's a cesspool. <laughs> and 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 I try to steer the ship back the right way by making a very common sense. Good comment. There, there's no place for that. And no, no, no. no. <laughs> so you're right. It's it's wrong. It, it's just wrong. Um, uh, you know. So going back to what I said, though, I can't stand the Cardinals. Um, it was very hard for me um, in 2008 to be at Miller Park with with Cardinals fans, and um, um, I, I was not purposely mean. But I was purposely not nice. <laughs> there is a difference. There is yes. a difference. I ignored every Cardinals fan, um, and and but but I'm not going to be just ridiculously mean because something didn't go my way. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. You know, you're not going to hear me say these guys make so much money. I have a right 
to be the devil. Yeah. I don't. Right. I don't. Mm-hmm. They make a lot of money because we created that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We created Supply and demand gives that to them. Right. And and uh, so it's not right. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are going to make mistakes. And if you play baseball, you know how hard that game is, man. That is the, it's a hard game to play. It's like they say baseball is a game of failure. It is. Guys who fail seven out of ten times go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that's that. the reality of the sport. You know, Think you're basically that. attempting to – the greats fail as little as possible, but still fail the majority of the time. Right. You know, you don't see that. Again, it goes back to this, you know, the difference. We know you don't see that in any other sport. If you had a wide receiver who went out there who dropped seven of ten passes thrown to him – you're bagging groceries, man. Yeah, the Packers have had a lot of those guys <laughs> in the eighties. It was so bad. Um, Are you a Packers fan too? That I am. That hasn't even occurred to me. My parents went to the ice bowl. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I know. I, I live in an area that uh, I'm the enemy, man. Are Going you, back to this fan thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the enemy. Are you? Um, this is the. Of course, I'm a, also a huge, huge, huge Bears fan. Yeah. Um, the thing that amazes me. And you seem like a sensible guy, so you probably get this. Yeah. Number one, how hard it is in football to get a quality franchise quarterback. Not to mention how hard it is to get one twice in a row. I hate you. I know. It is so frustrating. I know. I tell Packers fans all the time, I said, you wait, man. When Rodgers finally retires, you're going to see how the other half lives. Yeah. And how you go through draft after draft trying to find that lightning in the bottle who's going to be the... You know, the guy who can just now nah, just go out there and win this game now, I guess. I know, but you got to remember, man, I'm, I'm old, so I grew up in the 80s. I, I had Lynn Nicky. And, you remember and the band Whitehurst. Uh-huh. And, uh Whitehurst. Uh, you know, when, when Don Mikowski was like our savior, and uh, I was just average at best. And, uh, but, you know, what's frustrating, so it's funny you said that. It's, it's frustrating for me having such great quarterbacks with Favre and Rodgers. And not winning more Super Bowls. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. You got guys that good? Yeah. You gotta win some Super Bowls. Man. Mm-hmm. Cause I know that's gonna end. I'm not a fool. Right. I am not a fool. Roger's not getting any younger. How old is he now? I mean he's not uh, ancient by any stretch. No, but he's gotta be in his mid to late thirties at least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he's an injury away from being done. Being done, done. I guess any quarterback you can say that, but he, yeah, he's older. He's older, he's healing. Yeah. But, you know, he's older. <laughs> but um, I don't know, going back, going back to baseball, I just thought of something else, too. We were talking about, like, other favorite teams. Um, I love the Montreal Expos. Oh, okay. I've always been. I, I loved them when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I hope they get a team. Yeah. I hope they're awarded a franchise again. That'd be um, great. I, I, was, I was razzing a guy when I went and saw the Nats. Uh, the Brewers were at the Nationals. And this guy was just being an obnoxious fan. And I started ripping on him like, I said, this is just the Expos. Anyway, you wouldn't even have a team if the Expos didn't move here. You know that, right? And then he didn't <laughs> want to hear that. And, uh, but um, I don't know. I just thought of that. I, I, I love the Expos. I love the, the lore of the Expos. I, um, I feel sorry that they lost their team. I mean, think about that. Yeah. Think about that. How devastated. Like, I don't even want to think about it. If the Brewers left Milwaukee. Yeah. Well, so my dad was a big Braves fan. Oh, okay. Hank Aaron will always be my favorite all-time player. Back to the Milwaukee Braves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I met Hank Aaron. Wow. Um, I was bartending at a celebrity uh, golf tournament at Bristlecone Pines in Milwaukee. There was a number of celebrities there, and Hank Aaron was one of them. 
and I brought a baseball with me. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I'm like freaking out. He was there with his wife. Mm-hmm. And uh, another gentleman, a pretty big dude. And it was just him and his wife and this other dude. And uh, Hank Aaron was drinking Amaretto di Serono on the rocks. His wife was drinking water with a lemon. I I remember every minute of it. And then finally the thing was done. And I asked, uh, you know, the guy, hey, can I, can Hank sign an autograph with me? He says, meet me in that room in 10 minutes. It was a pool room. So I go in there. It's Hank Aaron and that guy and his wife sitting at the table. Fanchel was like eight years old. I was like, I, I, I didn't know what to say. Yeah. So I sat down and I said, I shook his hand and Hank, you're my all time favorite player. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes. And he says, you're welcome. What's your name? My name is Mike Link. And, um, you know, he introduces his wife and I said, who's this gentleman? I was his bodyguard. Mm-hmm. And I kind of made a face like I just did now. And, and, and I said, bodyguard. I said, why do you need a bodyguard? He still gets death threats. Mm-hmm. He still gets death threats. This, still to this day. Oh, and that's over. Yeah, yeah. This, 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 yeah. this was in this was in um, two thousand one. What? Two thousand one. He's yep. still getting death threats. He was still getting death threats, and um, <coughs> it just made me so sad. And uh, but we didn't get in all that. I didn't want to get into that. You know, he signed my ball. I told him my dad was a Braves fan. So, so this is what I want to tell you. So when the Braves left Milwaukee, mm-hmm. my dad was done with baseball. Yeah. And, he, and he's the one that gave me baseball. Mm-hmm. He was the nut that dragged me to County Stadium and, and made me watch the games. Yeah. And made me play Little League. I'm glad he did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, But they left. He was done. And yeah. still to this day, done. he's done. Yeah. That would kill me, man. What, what would you do? Yeah. What do you do? It's They say still to this day... There's a scar in Brooklyn from the Dodgers leaving. Still there to is. this day, there are there has to be. very, I don't want to use the word ancient, but older fans who were Brooklyn Dodgers fans who on that fateful day were just done and never came back to baseball after that. I think a lot of they were hoping was they built the Mets is that they would begin to suck up a lot of that fandom. And don't get me wrong, the Mets do have a fandom. Oh, they do. Why, I don't know. But, um, right. Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I I don't even know. And I, 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 part of me thinks like, oh, that's silly. It's baseball. Just pick up another team. But if I found out tomorrow that the Cubs were going to Portland, I might be done with baseball too. I might just be like, you just literally just rip my heart out of my chest and said the hell with you. That's. I know. Yeah. I, I don't even want to think about that. Mm-hmm. So it's brutal. And, and I know we're jumping ship again here. So I, I went, you mentioned the Packers. So I, I went. And so Green Bay played in Cleveland the last year Cleveland had a team before they moved to Baltimore. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. It was that season. There's still like three games left in the season. We went to Cleveland, went to the game. The Packers were just killing them. Yeah. All the signage was turned upside down. There was guys walking in the parking lot with a coffin with a dummy in it that looked like Art Modell. No. Mm-hmm. Wow. Grown men were crying. Yeah. Bawling. I mean, I'm talking about bawling like there was a death. Yeah. That freaked me out. Bitch. Yeah. That, that would, freaked me out. Yeah, that like, would be creepy. Oh my, whoa. That's what's like, going on here? It's like something out of a Stephen King it, novel. It is, but, yeah. but now that I think about it, you can I'd feel be it. devastated, brother. I, yeah. I mean, if the Brewers left, I mean, I'm all about it, man. Mm-hmm. I'm nuts. I'm superstitious. I watch every game. I, I, I'm nuts. Well, and the difference is the, or the Milwaukee Brewers, they were 
prior to that for one season they were the Seattle Pilots. Correct. But that's a bit different. They were there for one season and they folded financially. Correct. Whereas you've got teams that have been in cities for long periods. And even if they're not good, like the Browns were, I mean, the Browns are still bad. Although technically the current Browns are an expansion team um, because the Browns became the Baltimore Ravens. Right. But even still, even if they're bad, you know, they always, Cleveland always had a good following. You know, they always had, you know. The best loyal, the dog pound. Yeah, the dog pound. (laughs) I don't know if that's a sign of true fandom or there's just nothing else to do in Cleveland. I don't know which, but... (laughs) The, the you know the Packers had it, the Cubs had it, the Brewers yeah. had it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It's there. The Cubs weren't always great. Yeah, the even Brewers when they were sucked. Never great. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember being a kid, and even into the '90s, and uh, God, even in that period post uh, Lou Pinella before Joe Madden, where there were several years there where the Cubs were borderline unwatchable because Theo was grinding that team down to the nub and rebuilding it, and they were almost impossible to watch. Every game sold out. Every yeah, single game sold out. Right. You know, there is something, definitely something to be said for that. Uh, yeah, I can't even, I, I think about that sometimes in teams switching cities and how much how much things have changed. Even at one point in time, the St. Louis Cardinals were in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Even at one point in time, the Arizona Cardinals football team was from Chicago. Correct. And they just keep bouncing and going other places. And But that, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. I While I've never had it, a, a team that I followed moved like you know the Cubs have never left the Bears have never left and my other team Notre Dame isn't going to move they're a college um, but I remember feeling that way and I don't know if you experienced this but in the 94 strike mm-hmm. which came for me at like the worst possible time I was 14 years old and I was so excited about I love I was eat breathe sleep baseball baseball cards everything I wasn't old enough yet to understand what unions were and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. To me, I just thought, you are gods. You are living your best possible life. You are playing a game that millions of us would right. could only dream about playing, and you've decided to stop playing over money. Yeah. Like I felt like it was just so idiotic. I actually quit. I didn't come back to baseball until the early 2000s. Like I was just okay. done. It was the same feeling that I'm just like, the hell with you, you selfish assholes. I'm I've done. Heard, I've heard this story from others, but go on. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and it wasn't until um, oh, it was 2000. I remember I was working a job and I had started a new job and I had a coworker who was a huge Cubs fan. And I had this problem in the sense that he was so into the Cubs that every single day that's all he would talk about. And at the beginning, I was so irritated. Like, just shut up. Cubs were getting good in 2000. Yeah, they were. They were starting to get it. Was under, it was under Don Baylor at the time. Kerry Wood was you bet. had just come in. You bet. Um, you were still a year away from prior coming in. But they were beginning to make some noise. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was so irritated because he wouldn't shut up about the Cubs. I'm like, I don't care. It's baseball. Baseball's dumb. It's boring. Mm-hmm. They're a bunch of idiots. I don't want... And then even, and it just wore me down. He kept talking about it so much that eventually over a couple weeks and a couple months, I'd find myself like casually looking at the box, going on the newspaper, like, oh, cool, the Cubs one yesterday and then now here we are yes. <laughs> you know I'm glad. It eventually gets its claws in you and pulls you back in and you begin to feel all the stuff you felt as a kid now with a more adult understanding of the world around you and the way these things work and it, yeah. I guess especially having a job now where I'm in a union you yes. start to be like okay yes. like the players they want to play baseball they just don't want to be yes. treated like indentured servants correct you know? <laughs> and they are not they are not so um, that's interesting you said all that. So uh, a couple things is that um, I got a really good friend of mine, Mike, who's a Brewers fan, and he was kind of a casual fan. 
talked to me to get in season tickets. He got season tickets and he started learning about the game, mm-hmm. baseball. And this was uh, six years ago. But I, I gave him a disclaimer. I said, I'm, I'm telling you right now, they're going to break your heart every single year. Mm-hmm. I'm warning you. <laughs> You're going to hate me. Uh-huh. Yep. You're going to say, why did you get me into this? Because I'm telling you, it's a hard game. All the stars have to align. And and I can see it. It's just, I can watch it in his face, going through a whole season now, and, and the way players lead teams and, and contracts and everything. I can see it like, wow, this is really hard Yeah, to put this all together. So, you know what I tell people when, when they talk about strikes and they're overpaid babies and all that? One of the best things I've ever watched about in the history of baseball is, is Ken Burns. Oh yes. baseball. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to see the way the players were treated, yeah, watch that. Mm-hmm. It's a very long series. You're gonna have to commit a lot of time to it. It's worth it. But I, it's worth it, right? And, mm-hmm. and I think you get a good sense of how the owners treated the players. It was terrible. Yeah. Awful. They were basically working for what we consider today to be minimum wage. It was awful. Yeah. They, they made them pay for their own uniforms. Yeah. I mean, it was just ridiculous. They nickel and dime the crap out of them. Oh, Correct. And the way baseball rules were structured, you didn't have an agent. There was no free agency. You couldn't, after so many years, become a free agent and go somewhere else. It was you play and you are paid whatever the owner thinks you're worth, and you will never get traded or be a free agent. Well, you get traded if they right. they decide, but you didn't have a say in the matter. There were no trade clauses or anything like that. And Right. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they do have rights. Yeah. They should have rights. Now, so, so do you want to talk about Christian Yelich? Yeah, we can talk about that man has got some damn money. He got paid, didn't <laughs> he? has he? got some damn money. Didn't he? You read stuff like that, and you try to, I try to, I can't comprehend that. No. I can't. No. I know how much money is, you know, but I, I don't know. I don't have uh, my, I, I can't imagine ever having Yelich money. That's just what I'm going to call no. it right now. Until it becomes KB money or Baez money, I'm just going to call it Yelich money. Right. That's what it, because that was, uh, that was 200 plus million, wasn't it? Yeah. Over how many years? Well, we, uh, nine years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Locked him up for nine years. Yeah, he'll finish his career probably. Probably in Milwaukee. They, they have an option uh, at age 36. Okay. How old is he now? one more year. He's 28. Okay. He's, He's still got that young. He's still got, yeah. He's still got some prime in front of him, though. You hope. Yeah. You never know. Mm-hmm. But um, So I bring that up because a lot of people are saying it was such a friendly contract uh-huh. that he could have got paid more. Probably. I don't know. I mean, we can really dive into that deeper but probably and figure that out. But I, uh, what was said was... He wanted to stay in Milwaukee, and and he took a a team friendly contract because he liked it. Mm-hmm. I like that aspect of it. Yeah. I don't. What I don't want to happen is the players to keep raising the bar, so a player can't sign for less. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happened when CC Sabathia. Oh yeah. Left Milwaukee. Yeah. We couldn't afford what he was worth. Mm-hmm. He wanted to stay, and everybody said, "Yeah, he didn't want to stay. He's just saying that." No, the, the union was pushing that. Like, no, you can't take less money. You have to take more. Right. So the other guys can make more. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with Granky. Yeah. That happened as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's got to be a little bit of give and take there. But um, the players should have rights. They, they, they should have a say. A say. Um, I don't want steroids in the game. I think the owners have a right to say that. Right. They, so do you do you think if a player signs a big contract and gets caught with steroids that they should be able to negate the contract? 
I think so, but I mean, if you're going to be fair about that, then that should be written in the contract ahead of time. Yeah. Like, hey, by the way, if you get caught doing this or you get found guilty of rape or something yeah. that's really detrimental to the view of basically being an asshole. And I don't even mean being an asshole in terms of like personality-wise, but if you go and do something that's detrimental to yourself or to the game or to someone else, I think there's definitely a limit there. Um and baseball used to do that in the past, I think, to the point of being a little bit overzealous. I, I'm still one of those people who's of the opinion that Pete Rose got a raw deal. I, oh, he I, should be in the Hall of Fame. There's no doubt about it. No but doubt he's such he's a jerk been. about it. Yeah. What do you do? Well, he spent so long being a jerk about it, and then recently he's done the about face and kind of been the... And I don't think what he did was that bad to begin with. I'm no. not saying it was okay. No, But I it's don't. not like... Like, you compare what he did to what the Astros did, and the Astros are getting to keep their trophy... And I understand. Jordan was one of the most notorious gamblers ever. Oh yeah, yeah. He just, he just didn't bet on basketball. Right, right. You know? Well, supposedly. <laughs> supposedly, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, and I could go on another side tangent. No, 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 I'm sorry. But no, you're fine. <clears throat> I think. Um, yeah, I definitely. I and going back to what we were talking about in terms of Sosa, I'm. There's kind of this weird dual nature within Cubs fandom on who's pro-Sosa and who's anti-Sosa. Okay. I hate his face, personally. Because it goes back to absolutely everything we were talking about in terms of, you know, your love and your passion and, and caring about something. But here was a guy who at the time, like when him and McGuire were cranking them and they were basically having a home run derby that lasted the entire season, which you can make the argument save baseball. A lot of people still say that. And I think there's probably a valid argument there. <clears throat> but Maybe. It, and then he was the guy who, after 9-11, was running out to right field, carrying the American flag. And for a number of years when the Cubs were not that great, he was the one shining star. He was the pop and the hop and the, you know, waving to the fans and everything. Yep. The problem with, that happened is, is all of that eroded rather quickly. You know, once the Cubs got good and it seemed like the spotlight was on him as much, the more he kind of became a jerk. And then there was the steroids thing, and then there was the cork bat incident. And then and it was really, really telling. I remember it was at the end of the, um, was it the 2005 season? The 2006 season? Whatever it was, he was his last year that he was with the Cubs. And it was the very last game of the season, and it was at Wrigley. And he showed up to the ballpark and then just decided to leave. Never even got dressed. Just got in his car. You're right. Walked out of the stadium. And I walked. remember that, yes. And he had this gigantic boombox on top of his locker that apparently he would just blare salsa music in the clubhouse nonstop. And as an indication to how his teammates felt about him, when he came back the next day to clear out his locker, that boombox had been smashed into about a thousand pieces. So he had a wow. great number of his own. Story. Yeah, a great number of his own. And it's interesting when you get players who played on that team who occasionally are on media being asked about it. And they kind of, him and Haw, and, you know, somebody's like, well, you know, I don't know what happened, but I did see so-and-so carrying a bat, but I'm not sure. And, oh, you know, I I don't think Kerry Wood had anything to do with it, but it did look like a lot of fastballs hit that thing. So it was. it seemed like it was a team effort to destroy that thing. And it felt like once when okay. the spotlight was on him. Okay. And he was the reason people came to Wrigley. He could be the nicest, friendliest man in the world. Once he wasn't getting patted on the head anymore, and the spotlight wasn't on him. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, in fact, there were those two years in you know, well, in two thousand three, you know, that year that the Cubs collapsed against the Marlins in the NLCS. He was virtually non-existent offensively. You're right. And he and he was one of those guys. I hate to say it. He would hit a home run 
if the Cubs were up by 10 or were down by 10. He, like, rarely had a clutch hit his entire life. You're right. Once the pressure got on, he just completely folded. You're right. <laughs> and so I'm of the mindset of, you know, Sosa just go away. You still get some of these people that are like, oh, they had to bring Sosa back. Not, like, as a player, obviously. But welcome him back into the organization and commemorate what he did. And I'm like, why? You know, I, I think I fall more fall more in the line of thinking uh, as a baseball fan. Um, and maybe I can be a little bit more objective. I, not that you're not being objective. <laughs> well, you, you're not. doing a really good job at it, actually. <laughs> um, I, I agree with you that why bring him back? I don't. I don't think he. Other than the home run derby year, that was it. The mm-hmm. way I look at it. Um, but but you know, I don't want to clobber the guy for cheating. I don't want to do that. I, um, it's funny because I hate McGuire. Yeah. The Cardinals fans still love him. Right, still to this day. You know? And I just remember him going on TV and, and, and kind of half-heartedly admitting it and crying, you know, just so he can get a, a job in baseball. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, so, what I what I do have a problem with, and this is kind of... So, when any fan, a Cubs fan, Cardinals fan, any team that has had a steroid user booze Ryan Braun, mm-hmm. I have a problem with that. Right, Yeah. I got a big problem, and it happens a lot. Yeah. Braun was a bit of a particular incident, though, wasn't it? Yeah. He began you're, accusing you the tester that. of being an anti-Semite and all this, yeah, trying to get the he, guy fired. He, he really and, stepped in it. Yeah. He did, but I think that people use that as a reason to hate somebody. Yeah. If you want to hate somebody, fair. you find reasons to do it. You could, you that's could, what a resentment is. You could make that argument. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I think so. Um, yeah, I... I don't hate any of the Cubs. No. I really don't. No. I swear to God, I don't. Um, I'm trying to think. I was thinking on the way over here. Because I didn't know what you were going to ask me. I'm right. Like, Is there a Cub that I hate? Has there ever been a Cub that I hate? I can't think of one. And and then I was like, well, what if he asked me my favorite Cub? I don't know, man. I mean, and it, I see, but I don't see him as a Cub. I loved Andre Dawson, but he was with the Expos. Yeah. Speaking of which, that was both the two other things we talked about. The 94 strike. Okay, the, great. Ex, the Expos that year were primed to run away with everything. They should have. Andre Dawson was on that team. Manny Ramirez was on yep. that team. Moises Alou was in yep. his prime. Yep. They were ready. They were just barnstorming their way through the season and then shut the door. Yep. It's all over. Yeah, I hated that. It wasn't that the last year? Because then they were they broke up in the offseason. Correct. Because they were all free agents. They all... But Manny went to Boston, and Alou went to San Francisco, and yeah, the whole wheels just... And then it was shortly after that, they folded and got moved to Washington. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's really hard to say, and I say that a lot, and it's one of the things I enjoy about baseball. There aren't any teams that I hate. There's no franchises that I'm like, ugh. There may be individual people that I'm not particularly fond of, um, but... One of the things I do like about baseball, not 100% across the board, but baseball fans do tend to be more analytical, more yeah. open to conversation, more open to camaraderie. Sure. You know, that I can go to opposing teams' ball clubs and we can kind of like, you rib each other, give each other a little yeah. bit of shit. And Whereas there are times where I've been at like NFL games or NBA games and you're almost like, I need to get the hell out of here. Correct. This, this is getting nasty. Correct. This is not going to be, this is not going pretty at all. Um, not saying that that doesn't happen to baseball games. I'm sure it does on occasion because oh. it all it takes is one drunk Funny. idiot to. The, the Giants and the Dodgers. Oh, God. They're brutal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody talks about the Red Sox and the Yankees. The Giants and the Dodgers, man. They really don't like each Bad. other. Yeah. Bad. Mm. Stuff happens on weekend games in those parks. Oh. When they're playing. Uh huh. 
It, you know, it amazes me. You'd think that I would have some. See, I have this weird thing where my uh, my father's from um, Taylorville, Illinois, which is down just outside of Springfield. Okay. So geographically, center of Illinois, geographically the midway point between Chicago and St. Louis. And it was always interesting going down there to visit yeah. my grandparents because you could drive through town and every other house would either have a Cardinals flag or a Cubs flag. Right. I mean, you were like, it was like the Mason-Dixon line of baseball right there. Yep, it and is. It, and especially because of the fact that the two radio stations, KMOX and WGN, overlapped each other. You get on the radio, you could get either team's game in. And it was, um, so it was always so funny. I had this extended family of Finches down there, and or Finch-related at least. And yeah, some are car- hard cards fans, some are Cubs fans, and... That um, that had a lot, and that, one of the things that I think is awesome, and I really, really think this is awesome about Milwaukee, and I think I, men- I mentioned it to Julie when she was on the podcast, is that from my perspective, and of course age comes into this in terms of mm-hmm. where, where you're looking at things, is that for a number of years, like the Cardinals were always there. Mm-hmm. The Cubs would kind of go through the cyclical thing where they were not good and then they'd be good for several years and they're not good. And it was always Cubs cards, Cubs cards, Cubs cards. Every once in a great while, the Brewers would bubble up before the Cubs and the Cardinals had to remind them that they were the Brewers. Correct. Get back down there. All the time. But like I said to Julie, at this point, the Brewers are built to stay. Yeah. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. I think so. They've got a good core. I think you're right. Yeah. And that goes with a good organization uh, that they are now. I mean, again, uh, the GM, the ownership, mm-hmm. they're doing it, man. They're doing it. What um, and it got and that's got that's got to be so hard because I think about that and you'll understand especially with like Oakland and stuff like that. Yeah, being a small market team where you don't get all these revenue streams coming in and a lot of the financial things you can take take advantage of that helps you build your ball club. I don't know exactly where the Brewers are. They're uh, no doubt in my mind they're spending more than Oakland. But you look at like Oakland who like will have like an annual payroll of like under a hundred million. And they're going up against like the Astros mm-hmm. and the Yankees and all these mm-hmm. teams that are close to two hundred million. Um, I think the Brewers' payroll is at eighty-eight million. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I think Oakland's is close to that. So I think I think what happened, Fitch, is is you mentioned data. The analytical side of the game started to come into play. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. I'll admit, I've watched the movie Moneyball at least 15 times. I love that movie. I could watch it right now. You yeah. could sit on an order of pizza and watch it right now. Like, I've never watched it before. Right. So, and I think that brings up some good points. So, I, I think that's kind of coming to the game now. Yeah. Um, and I think that's made the whole game more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much I want to get. I don't... Like, teams like Tampa Bay, that's a little bit too analytical for me. Yeah. It's all too heady for me. They're built on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, they platoon every position. Yeah, based on the matchups. Yeah, you know they were the guys that, that wanted to start the game with the closer. Mm-hmm. They were the first ones to do it. Yeah, that's true. And I was Open. like, I'm cutting the grass, and I'm listening to MLB <coughs> Network, and I, I'm a geek, and I got my big <laughs> headphones on. Yeah, and I'm on my tractor, and 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 they were talking about that, and I remember hearing that. I'm like, wow, that like blew my mind. Yeah. I really tried to wrap my head around that, uh-huh. and I'm like. That makes sense, but it was kind of a fad, right? Like it's it's not going to stick, right? So I, I don't know. I I don't I don't want to get too analytical about it. I think you can dive too much into the the matchups. I don't know if you ever played fantasy baseball before. 
I well, I'll put it this way without going off in the weeds. I did yeah. for one season, okay, and it drove me insane having to mess with my roster every single day. As much as I'm into baseball, it drove me nuts, and okay. I've never gone back. I keep thinking to myself, I probably should, but I just, I mean, that was like six, seven years ago, and I haven't since. So well, maybe we can talk off air about it because um, there's different formats to fantasy baseball. Okay, you, you can set a lineup and keep the same lineup for an entire week. Okay, which is what we do. But the reason I brought that up is because you have to analyze a lot of data. Right. You know, and we play in an auction league, and you have so much money to spend. So a player, uh, uh, one of the players will throw out Mike Trout. Guys start bidding on him. Mm -hmm. And then highest bidder gets him. And then that's how you construct your team. So I I tell you that because there has to be a cap on how much you're willing to spend. So you're trying to find these middle-tier guys and get the most value. Yeah. So you're digging deep. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're looking at splits. You're looking at home road splits. You're looking at left right splits. You're looking at, I mean, there's a lot of data now. Mm-hmm. A ton of data. That's insane. It's insane. Yeah. I mean, because there, there is a lot more to see. It's more than just on base percentage. Yeah. And, and, and win loss really doesn't mean a whole lot anymore for pitchers. You got to look at other things. Right. Right? Yeah. So, anyway, um, I think the Brewers are, are kind of more analytical, David Stearns. And that's the other thing. So, like, there's GMs that have never played baseball. Right. It wasn't like that when we were kids. No, everybody had to be. Every uh, freaking person yeah. in the organization played at some point. Well, if you're being honest, you kind of had to be a part of the old boys club. You did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You sure did. Yeah. And now it's more of a business. Yeah. And these owners want to win. Mm-hmm. So they want nerdy guys that, that can can dig into these stats. Yeah. And, and, and you know, get runners on base mm-hmm. and drive them in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's exciting. I, I like the fact that we're signing rookies to contracts now, and they're getting playing time right away. Lock them up long term, yeah. Because if you're like me, like I like watching the guys in AA mm-hmm. um, and AAA. Because the Brewers, we're small market, man. Yeah. We build our team through our farm system. Right. And you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you want these guys to get called up. Mm-hmm. You know, they're kicking ass in AAA, and it's like, come on, yeah. come on. And it was never like that. Right. They took so much time to do it. Mm-hmm. But now they're bringing them up. Pretty darn quick. Pretty quick. Like, yeah. Trent Grisham's a good example of that. Right. Guy was a rookie. Yeah. He was playing in the most important game you could play in. Right. Well, Chris Bryant was the same way. There you go. He spent one year in the minors, and then the next year, two weeks in the minors, and boom, uh, it was rookie of the year. I want to hear your opinion on that. Right? So there's a lot of people that were very pissed off. Oh, the grievance issue? Correct. Yeah. That, well... Going back to that they didn't bring him up to start the season. Right. You wanted him bad, and yeah. I get why. I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm the guy that was pissed. Yeah. Right? If I'm a Cubs fan. Both, um, I guess the, the best way to put it from my perspective is that I, I see both sides of it. Okay. Because under the rules of Major League Baseball is that if they waited two weeks to bring him up, that would affect his service time. Mm-hmm. So basically at the end of his rookie contract, they would get him by sacrificing two weeks at the beginning of the season. They would get him for an entire extra season right. at the end of his contract. The way I look at it is, on one side, it was 100% legal. There's no rules against it. There, nothing nefarious happened. Right. The other hand, it's kind of a dick move, man. It's kind of like you're not going to be surprised if there's going to be some hard feelings that resonate over that. Not just to not. I mean, especially, and this is the thing a lot of people don't understand. Sometimes I think even sports fans is that when you're on your rookie contract, you're not making a, a whole whole lot of money. You're not poor, but you're not getting paid probably what you're worth. Correct. When you hit five hundred thousand, yeah. 
When you hit that first free agency, that is the one opportunity in your entire life to make that fat contract. Mm -hmm. After that, you might get a one-year deal here or a one-year deal there. Hopefully, if you're healthy. Yeah, but that that first free agent one, that's your moneymaker. That's what's that's the, that's where the generational wealth comes Agreed. from. And it, for Chris Bryant, it was the difference between me between coming a free agent at 28 and 29. Yeah, which is kind of an important year. Yep. Not as big as like 30, 31, or 29, 30, but it, it's semi-important. So the union was furious over it. And my thoughts were, I can understand you being mad. You need to fix it before the next CBA comes out. Like, that's that's your only course of action here. Throwing a fit, being angry about it. Of course, Boris was just, yeah, I think his head exploded over it. Which I might kind of laugh just because he's Boris, and I'm like, he's really good at his job. He's phenomenal at his job. Can't deny that. Yeah, yeah. I don't like him, but I respect what he does. But he's so good at what he does. He makes his guys money. Um, And you know, even then, I think partially to make up for it. If you heard about this, the Cubs actually replaced Chris Bryant's contract with another rookie contract several years ago that ended up paying him something like I don't know, it was like two or three and a half mil a year rather than the half a mil to at least like give him more money. You I know, didn't hear that. Because they didn't need to. They could have just been like, screw you, dude. You're on a rookie contract. Um, they've tried multiple times to try and get him to do a long-term extension. I know that. And I don't know. And every time he won't negotiate. He's just, no, no, free agency, free agency. And I don't know where that's coming from, if that's Chris, if that's coming from Scott. Although Chris... You know, during spring training down in Mesa this year, he insists. He's like, I'm not a puppet. You know, I'm not Scott Boris's puppet. I'm saying and doing what I feel is best for me. And it's going to be really, really hard to see him in another uniform. I'm not going to lie. That one's, that one's going to be painful. But on the other hand, when the Cubs were what they were, when they spent invested so much in the draft in 2013 moving forward, now you're getting to the point where you've got Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras. These guys are all going to start becoming free agents. And you can't give every single one of them a $250 million contract. It's just the means aren't there. So some of them you're going to have to say goodbye to, which is heartbreaking. I love every one of them, you know, with the exception of Addison Russell, obviously. But yeah, (laughs) that guy, I was was happy to see him walk. Yeah, he's he's not a nice man. No. Um, uh, So so my thoughts on Chris Bryant are it was a smart business move on the Cubs part to keep him for an additional year. Mm Mm-hmm. As a fan of a team that has a superstar player, I, I, I'd want to keep him for another year. But I do think that Chris Bryant um, is the one that's making the decision. Like, F you. Yeah. It sure seems that way. Yeah. Um, so the thing that scared me about the whole grievance thing, though, is that if he would have won that, that would have changed the landscape of rookies playing baseball. Big time. Getting exposure, yeah, to better talent. Mm-hmm. We never would have seen him. Right. We're not going to see him. That's a landmark case. Yeah, they had to deny him that. Uh-huh. And I hope that there's not a strike in the next bargaining agreement. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's going to come up as one of the topics. Right. And I and I hope that both sides can come to some kind of reasonable agreement. Yeah. And do what's best for the game. Yeah. One hundred percent. It's best for the game to have rookies get big league exposure, but you know, I, I can see. I mean, it's such an expensive, like you said. I mean, how do you can't have five two hundred fifty million dollar contract? No, 
they were at least smart in the sense that they early on locked up Rizzo to a long-term contract. He's still got several years left. But eventually you're going to... And be, rightfully so. Yeah, yeah. Of you, all the players you mentioned, Rizzo was the one that should have gotten the big contract. Yeah, and they were... Now, they, they locked both him and um, Starlin Castro up to long-term deals when they were young. You of course, Castro's now off doing other things. You know, they got to the point where he was he was more valuable to be traded for a role as Chapman. You know, and no, he wasn't traded for Chapman. No. Who was he traded for? He was traded to the Yankees. He was. I don't remember who he was traded Starling for. Starling Castro went to the Yankees. Uh, I'll think of it in a minute. Yeah. Um, and Starling Castro's an interesting uh, player because he just never turned out to be what he was supposed to be until later in his career. He's a late bloomer. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing pretty well. Yeah. Though. He's having a damn good career now. Yeah. Now he is. Mm-hmm. And that's too bad, right? Cause you had such high hopes for him. Yeah. His trend kind of plateaued because when he first came up with the Cubs, of course at the time the Cubs were trash. The Cubs yeah. were total trash. And he was like the bright, uh, cause oh. he was even pre Rizzo. Number one prospect in baseball. Yeah. He was the guy, he's the guy, he's the only guy you went to Wrigley to watch. Cause yeah. even their pitching staff was trash. Yeah. Total he was like, garbage. 21. Yeah. And he was phenomenal. He could hit. He could. He was a five-tool player. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, and then it seemed like once all these other guys started coming up, and he was even prior to the Theo Epstein regime. He, he was. was. He was part of the old Jim Hendry regime. Correct. And then once the Theo guys began to catch up, it kind of seemed like he sort of leveled off developmentally. And then now recently has taken back off again. And that happens in baseball. The amount of times you see guys who just need time to figure things out, need to, uh, you know. I mean, you see it so many times, guys who are late bloomers. and Yeah. Which is too bad because how many people in baseball are a free agent at 32 and every ball club's like, 32, you're out of your mind. And then you see the, you know, also you Carlos see the, Santana did last year. Oh, yeah. With Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was nuts. Right? That was nuts. Yeah. He matched. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> he was one of the best players in baseball last year. Oh, for sure. Hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> the, 31 years old. Well, who was that? Rick Ankeel. Remember him? Yes. When he was a pitcher and then blew his arm out and started back in the minors, coming Correct. back up as a hitter. Of course, he since what over a couple of years kind of fizzled out, and I don't even think he's playing anymore. But no, he was not. a guy who was a former pitcher who was never going to pitch again in his career, and went right. back on the minors and rebuilt himself as an outfielder and a power hitter. He did came back up and exploded. Just he did. some of those some of those stories are so. That's one of the things I one of my favorite players for all these names that we say on the Cubs. Uh, probably one of my favorites out of all of them is Contreras. I, I love his fire. I love his passion. You should. I get in arguments with um, Cardinals fans all the time when I say he's the best catcher in the division. Oh, because they they loved it. They, the, yeah, you ain't gonna tell them anything about to, Yachty. To them, Yachty's God, which I, I agree. But one of the things I always loved about Willie is that um, he was actually in the Cubs minor league system as a third baseman. Uh huh. And you know, when you're in the Cubs minor league system as a third baseman, and their big their big league roster guy is Chris Bryant, you're not getting promoted anytime soon. And so screwing around one day before a, a triple-A game, he put on the catcher's gear and started catching one of the bullpen guys. And one of the coaches walked by and said, you thinking about playing catcher? And he said, I don't care. I'll give it a shot. A year later, he's catching game seven of the World Series. Yeah. I mean, he was a third baseman. You already knew he had a cannon. You know, and that's why even still to this day, one of the big knocks on him is pitch framing. As he's, he's not the best at framing pitches. And I'm I like, well, he, he will. I, I think pitch framing is overrated. I, I think so, too. But he also hasn't been catching since he was like eight years old, like all these other guys. Right. You know, so speaking of catchers, one of the guys I miss on the Brewers is Eric Katz. Yes. I miss that guy. Yes. I remember, was it a couple years ago when, when the Cubs and Brewers played Game 163 at Wrigley. Uh-huh. 
And I went to that game, got tickets at the last minute. Me and my buddy Danny went. We were sitting way up in the grandstand. And um, I remember the Brewers won that game to go to the postseason. Mm -hmm. And after all the congratulations, the high five, Katz just went out in the middle of Wrigley Field and just laid on his back. And even as a Cubs fan, you had to look at that and be like, that man is loving life right now. Mm-hmm. Here he is, like the first time in his career is going to the postseason, mm-hmm. and he's you know and you know you could be a toxic fan and be like get the hell out of here. This is a you could, but as a baseball moment, you just had to watch it and be like, I'm really happy for that guy. I'm really happy for that guy. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a fun part of that team, a fun part of that story. You know, I'm look, I'm thinking back, and I like the position of catcher. Um, one of my favorite catchers for the Brewers of all time was Jason Kendall. Yes. Played for the Cubs. Yes, he did. And what I loved about Kendall, I mean, he was he was a perennial two twenty hitter. Mm-hmm. But he would he got hit by more balls <laughs> than any catcher has ever been hit. Yeah, that's a fact. And he would lean in because mm-hmm. he knew he couldn't get he couldn't hit to get on base. Right. Yeah. So he would he would hit so he could get on base. Yeah, he'd take one for the team. He would. Yeah. And he was tough. Mm-hmm. He was tough. Like if you got in a fight, you'd want him to be there with you. Yeah, you didn't want to get in a fight with him. No. No. So I just thought of that, and, and he played with the Cubs, so I thought you'd like that. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, Jason Kendall. Um, I got his bobblehead. I, I got it sitting on his shelf. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm probably <laughs> the only one. He probably doesn't even have one. Right. Yeah. Uh, to me, and I think for Cubs fans, it'll always be Michael Barrett. Yeah. Because of the time that he punched out, um, oh, idiot face from the White Sox. Their catcher. I feel like an idiot. I can't remember his name right now. So I still see the steel still frame of my mind of when it happened. Um, uh, and he does he does baseball announcing now. He yeah, pops up every now and again. I feel like an idiot. I can't remember his name. Every Cubs fan listening to this is screaming his name at their phone right now, like so and so. But um, yeah, catchers always fun. The catchers are always a different breed. They're just kind of a different breed of baseball athletes. But is. the um, they don't. Um, the Brewers don't have Grandal this year. They don't. Who's uh, who's their starting catcher? Omar Navarez. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And and what's interesting about Omar is is uh, offensively he had a great year mm-hmm. for Seattle. Good home runs, could hit. Defense got awful. Yeah. So there's a, kind of this this shift. So there's a few catchers that kneel down on one knee. Mm-hmm. He was one of those catchers. They're taking him out of that stance and putting him more at a traditional stance. Okay. And they think that is going to help him defensively. The truth of the matter is, Finch, now that, that, that Yelich has been signed, the whole plan since October was to get as much money together as we can get to sign Yelich. Mm-hmm. Here's your extra money go put together a team. Yeah. That's why and so many Brewer fans were freaking out. You know, why aren't you signing Grandal? Why didn't you sign Moustakis? Well, it's because they couldn't do that. Right. So they're trying to catch lightning in a bottle with Novarez. Um, going back to what you said about Contreras, phenomenal catcher. Would love to have him. Um, Brewers need a third baseman. I wanted Mikhail Franco. Okay. A lot of people are throwing him in the garbage. You forget, he's only 26 years old. Mm-hmm. He's like a Starling Castro. He started playing when he was 20. He's got room to grow. He's got room to grow. Yeah. He's playing with KC. Um, I would love to have Brian. <laughs> Who would love <laughs> People talk about his health. Yeah. And I get that, but you can say that about a lot of players. Yeah. The thing about KB, and I hate to badmouth him because I love the guy, is there's um there's definitely an air of um God, I feel bad using the word fragile 
or rickety. It seems like every year there's a couple instances where running out a two bagger or something like that. There's a twisted ankle or a sprained shoulder that <clears throat> ends up having them long stints on the day. That's why last year wasn't bad. 2018, he had a rough season. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was because he was always either on the DL and trying to battle back from it, and then something else would take him out, and it was just like, oh man, he just it, yeah, it felt bad for him. You felt like he just couldn't get on a roll. And you go back and look at KB's stats from that year, and they're not typical KB numbers, not from a guy who was former Rookie of the Year, former MVP, you know. It sort of threw people for a loop, I think, when um, he kind of statistically began to decline, which had a lot to do with injuries. And at the same time, Javier Baez blew up. Because Javier Baez and the whole Theo Epstein, and actually he, like Sterling Castro, predated Theo Epstein. He was yeah. part of the Hendry bring-in when he was drafted. And he was kind of one of those guys who for a long time in the minors and even when he first came up to the majors, he was kind of like, uh, he was almost like a la carte. It was almost kind of like, well, if he works out great. You know, our core is Schwarber, Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Contreras. Correct. And then, happy surprise, Baez just blew up. I mean, he just got edged out by Yelich in the MVP voting a couple years ago, and rightfully so. Rightfully so, because... Yelich was raking right up till the very end of that year, and about the last three weeks, Baez started to drop off. He did a little bit. I have no argument with the way that. I even remember being at that game 163, and I was sitting next to a Brewers fan who asked me who I thought the MVP should be that year. And I'm like, well, Yelich. I mean, if you'd asked me a month ago, I'd have said Baez. But but Yelich was a – I mean, you want to talk about – I don't even know – I don't think most Cubs fans realized what a huge deal that was when the Brewers traded for him. Like, I remember when the Brewers mm-hmm. traded and guy saw the ticker at the bottom. They got yelled. She was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. So <laughs> so a couple of things. And I like everything you just said. Um, you know, what's funny about what you just said about the ticker and, and showing the Yelich pickup in the trade. So within within two days, we signed Lorenzo Cain mm-hmm. and Christian Yelich. I was excited about Christian Yelich. I was more excited about Lorenzo Cain. Really? I'll admit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorenzo Cain started in the Brewers system, finally played in 2010 for the Brewers, then got traded right away in the uh, Zach Trent Greinke trade. Oh, yeah. Traded him to KC. Yeah. And I love, and then again, I'm a small market guy. Mm-hmm. I watch my AAA guys. <laughs> I'm excited about Lorenzo Cain. Right. I'm ready to fall in love with this guy. I'm going to ask him to marry him. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they traded him. So, so full circle, he comes back to the Brewers, and I've I've followed him his whole career. Mm-hmm. So I was, admittedly, I was more excited about Lorenzo Cain. I mean, I couldn't predict. I don't know if anybody could predict how good Christian Yelich was going to oh, be God. or how good he is right now. I don't yeah. know if it'll stay. Mm-hmm. I hope it does. Um, so you know, and then going back to the whole MVP thing, I think so. Baez is an infielder, mm-hmm. right? Yelich is an outfielder. Baez is going to touch the ball more. You're going to see him more. Right. It's kind of hard sometimes to compare those two positions. Yeah, it really. Right. Is. Yeah. And I, and I think so. If you look at defense, I mean, you, you would have to say that Baez is a better defensive player than Yelich. Yeah. You'd have to say that because mm-hmm. if Yelich was so good at defense, he'd play infield. Right. Yeah. Not that he's a slouch. Of an not, he's not a slouch. Chance. Gold Glover. Right. Yeah. Gold Glover. Gold Glove outfielder. <clears throat> but I say that. Because just Baez got more exposure because he's he's in more plays. He's right. in more baseball plays. He's in the teeth of it every single play. Right. Yeah. And um, I could see the argument that, that, that Baez would beat him out. Um, so so going back to the Bear thing it was AJ Bershinsky. 
Okay. Yeah, that's right, AJ. It was Brzezinski. It was Brzezinski. Yes. <laughs> I never. I kept gonna... thinking of a K. I'm like, who with a K? There's a K. In yeah, his but it wasn't. It, it's Brzezinski. Yeah. I kept wanting to say Pesednik, and I knew that. No, wasn't no, 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 right. no, no, no. I knew that wasn't right. AJ yeah. I remember watching that game at a Cubs bar. Okay. Well, it wasn't called a Cubs bar, but it was basically a Cubs bar down in Byron, Illinois. And when yeah. that happened, I think the whole bar came unglued because it was just like, ah! Yes, fights. <laughs> well, well, AJ was such a loudmouth all the time. Was, it was in yes. everybody's face. That I mean, let's be honest, as people, we like to see those people get knocked down. I don't know how primal that is, but I gotta admit, I think catchers that do it. Contreras yeah. does it. Yeah, he's uh, he talks to batters. Oh, he's right. Yeah, Come on, man, he runs his mouth. He does. He does. But. Um, I like to think he doesn't typically instigate it, but when somebody oh, tries to get under his skin, he that's he's. I'm not, I'm not making a, a statement here, but he's a fiery Venezuelan man. You know, he doesn't. I don't want to he, fight him. He's got a lot of passion. I, don't I fight would him. not want him mad at me. I was so thankful. I remember when he first came up, he was wearing a flag of Venezuela arm sleeve. This is great. And he wore it yes. for like a good six. You know, I don't want to say six months, but it was at least a, almost a good season. Until Major League Baseball came down and said, hey, you can't wear that thing, you know, and they weren't trying to make a political statement. Everything's got to be uniform and it's got to be uniform colors. And so I was like, oh, okay. But I happened to get a Wilson Contreras bobblehead where where he still got the Venezuelan arm sleeve on. And I even had to get online and buy a Venezuelan arm sleeve that I wear when I wear my Contreras jersey when I go to Cubs games. And I keep hoping he'll spot me out in the crowd and come sign it or something because I would get that thing framed in a heartbeat and hang it up on my wall. (laughs) I hope that happens, man. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. Um, I think you got a better shot at getting that done on the road. I probably, yeah. You know what I mean? Because they notice... That on the road, Sticking more than out. They, you stick out a little bit more mm-hmm. just to throw it out there. Yeah, eventually, I'm gonna have to find a, a place. It might might not work as well at Miller Park. I'd have to find some stadium that I can get to. And I can get you in there. What's that in Miller? Season tickets, man. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, you, you just you so as a season ticket holder, you can go in for batting practice, which is another weird thing. Like when I was a kid. It, you could go into the, the everybody, stadium five everybody. hours before first pitch. Yeah, you could just sit there. It was there. open. Yeah. You just and walk you can just go to batting practice. It ain't yeah. like that anymore. No. Now it's like an hour before first pitch. They open the doors. And yeah. Especially at Wrigley. In there. Especially at Wrigley, it's a pain in the ass if you got bleacher seats. Because you basically got like tens of thousands of people all waiting to pour in at once and get the, sure. those front row spots. Because if you don't, you're standing in the back the entire game. You don't have anywhere to sit. Sure. It's like So they recently started doing this thing at Wrigley where they have bleacher priority tickets. Where basically you, it's a small, smaller group of like a thousand or so who get to be let in before everybody else, and so you can rush right out there and say, "Yeah, just trying to get more money." Just to, if you use that money to pay bias, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I'll pay it. But you know. I'm getting old, man. I so I, I, I went really early for a game, and I was all excited. I'm going to batting practice. Mm-hmm. I haven't been to batting practice since I was like 15. Mm-hmm. Get in there early. Go down there. I was underwhelmed, man. I was, like, I was like, I want to just watch the game. Right, yeah. I'm not an autograph guy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so anyway, um, you could make that happen, man. You you could get Contreras to sign that. I, I think he's a great catcher. And, and it's one of those things, right? So, like, you'll, you'll hear people say, well, I, I love Christian Yelich because he's so humble, you know. But then you hear a guy say, I like so-and-so because they, they, they'll kick your ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm kind of, I, I think I lean, to, I'm lean, I lean towards, I like the guy that's going to kick your ass. I, I, I like the fiery guy. I, I like, uh, 
the guy that can back it up and and it's you know it's just I like, don't know why it's, it's just, just like you were saying it's the opposite of resentment when we like somebody we want to come up with more reasons why we like well, I like him because he's humble I like him because he's an asshole correct you know? <laughs> like whatever it is you'll like him you'll like him that you'll is, find something that is that is absolutely spot on I love that <laughs> yes. Well, yes. we've we've um, we plowed through an hour and forty minutes here. Wow! Anything you want to say in closing before we shut this yeah, thing down? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the time, Fish. This is a great idea. I would love to come back and talk about baseball. Yeah, anytime. absolutely. Um, you know, good luck this season. Yeah, um, I'm excited, man. Um, you know, I don't go to opening day anymore. Um, it's just. A lot of knuckleheads go to opening day, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Game two always seems to be the purists. Yeah. So my, I'm, 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 but I'm going to uh, the opening series against the Cardinals. There's a day game on a Wednesday. Okay. So I'm looking forward to that, and um, we'll see what happens. And um, you know, good luck this year. Good yeah. luck. Good luck to the Cubs. And and look, for all all you people out there that hate John Madden, you're wrong. I'm yeah. just gonna say it. Yeah. You're, you're wrong. And you know, as a, you should not hate him. He is a great coach. He is. I think he's going to be reflected upon in much greater light as years go by. The only reason that I was okay with the parting ways is yeah. that it, it. Not that I was angry at him. Not that I faulted him. Yeah. But it's like you know, you get to a point where it's like maybe a message has gotten stale. Yeah, Joe Madden. Oh, did. Joe Madden was the perfect guy for the time he got hired by the Cubs. A bunch of young players, yep. nervous about playing in the big leagues, and his relaxed, you know, don't let the pressure exceed the pleasure message was perfect for that team. But it just got to the point where it, it felt like accountability was starting to get lax. Players were, yeah, getting a little prima donna a little bit. Well, I was great at this years ago. When we won the World Series. Now I'm, you know, there was a little bit of, and even some of the players have said there was a bit of a. Bit of a culture of going through the motions, a bit of well, I may be in a slump right now. Somebody else will pick me up, and, and just what's yeah, happening. I agree. You could see it. I know you asked for a last statement. Now we're going to talk for another <laughs> hour. Uh, but David Ross, he's the answer. <clears throat> I think so. Do you? Okay. One hundred percent. I was. Okay. He was one of those guys. I think that after he retired after the twenty sixteen season, I think that did a lot of damage to the ball club. Even though he was a backup catcher. He was a veteran, and he was one of those guys who people like Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo would go on and on about how he would hug you, he would tell you how great you were, and yet when you came back to the dugout, he would be in your face. Why didn't you run that out? You could have gotten a second on that. What the hell are you doing? He was that he was good cop bad cop all in one, and a lot of people think that the reason why the Cubs are so great in 2016 is because between him and Joe Madden. You got the balance. You got the kind of hippie, softy, hey, everybody relax. And then at the other end of the bench was the red-ass guy who was like, you know. And he was never personal. He was never mean. But he also, even as a player, held you accountable. I think that's something the Cubs could really use right now. These guys are now veterans. They know the ropes. They know how things work. They need somebody kind of holding them, putting a bit more pressure on them. Like, hey, you need to to be, be playing the best baseball you can play. And I think he's a really great answer for that. I'm happy to hear that. You, you got to have confidence in, in your coach going into a season because when you don't, it just sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Right? It's just, <laughs> it sucks. It so. makes a long season. Yes. And a 162-game yes. season sucks when you're just, oh, yes. God, why are we doing this? Yes. Yeah. Well, all right, man. We're going to shut it down and get out of here. Thanks right. again for coming on. And uh, I'm sure we will talk again soon. You bet. All right. Thank you, folks.
All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the podcast. I hope you really, really hope you enjoyed it. And I can't tell you how much I thank you for for listening. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, if you like what you're listening to, please like and subscribe either on my Facebook page or for the different mediums that this is out there in. And if you happen to be listening through Apple Podcasts, do me a favor up the top, give us a review and give us a rating. Every little bit of that helps. Once again, thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time.